most people in their 20s who are pursuing anything that they're passionate about, who are trying to be entrepreneurs in any field or, and they hit this point where they have this huge realization of having not realized how hard it was going to be and then really questioning and self-doubting, do I have it in me? That was the lovely voice of Lucy Coleman, filmmaker of Hot Mess, which you can find a lot more about in a minute. For now, though, I'm Dov Cornitz, and uh, welcome to the Films That Changed My Life podcast. I hope you enjoy my chat with Lucy as much as I enjoyed meeting her. She's a real charmer, real, you know, really humble, and uh, I always feel like it, it blows me away, the influences that uh, people have on their filmmaking you know, depending on their age. And obviously Lucy's a bit younger and uh, she's just entering the space and uh, the influences she carries are as valid as any other but um, are obviously very different to mine or someone who's older than me. But I think the beauty of cinema is that it actually, you know, the the lineage carries over. Like, for example, I imagine, you know, Lena Dunham, uh, you know, when she made Tiny Furniture or Girls, you know, was influenced by... I don't know, maybe John Cassavetes or um, in terms of girls, you know, the obvious one is Sex and the City, I suppose, you know, like in that she sort of flipped it, but also embraced it. So yeah, so I hope you enjoyed my chat with Lucy Coleman as much as I did and uh, I'll speak to you soon. So we had like a really lengthy rehearsal process, which was awesome because none of the cast had acted before. Sarah had done a lot of stand-up comedy the other girls had done a lot of improv, like a lot of on-stage improv and that sort of stuff. Um, but no one had been on screen before except for Terry Serio yep. and Zoe Credis. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was really nice to kind of have that process for myself and for the actors to get it to that place of kind of, I don't know, that really like nuanced place of hyperrealism and finding those comic beats. And that was, I think, where the strength of kind of what came through on screen yeah I think that was yeah the naturalism what made it land yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. what started first I mean did you did you write a script like and yeah how did it sort of I think it kind of started because um I finished my year at afters and the film really like was like super semi-autobiographical final year of afters that I had where I just kind of had that creative freak out of like you know, what the fuck happens when I leave film school kind of thing and met a guy and just decided to project all my problems his way. And then I got to the end of the course and that, you know, not, it never even like transpired into a relationship or whatever it was, had totally broken down. And I was like, okay, I think I have a story. Um, And I'd watched, I was like a massive fan of kind of that Mark and Jay Duplass, Mm -hmm. Lena Dunham, Joe Swanberg, that whole kind of like super no... Yeah, mumblecore. Mumblecore kind of of filmmaking movement. And I think I just saw that as my entry point into the industry. I think I didn't know how to get into writer's rooms. I didn't know who was going to like particularly pay a lot of interest in me at that point. So I was like, all right, I'll just make something go and do it that way yeah Yeah. and so and did you find collaborators through the film school yeah so it was kind of weird because um I moved up to Byron Bay after afters to go and write the film I sort of like I think I just my head just felt really cluttered at the end of film school and I just kind of wanted to 
just get a whole new fresh headspace happening so I moved up there and I wrote the film and it was really great because you know I was really removed from a lot of distractions our house didn't have wi-fi then I came back I finished the screenplay up there and I came back and moved into Redfern and Sarah was the first person that I hit up because I'd seen her in a fringe show when I was at afters and when I was up in Byron, I just kind of had her in my head most of the time as that character because when I saw her on stage, she was just so grounded and just dry. And she just was that person where I was like, you're that chick that is my mate. You know what I mean? Like mm. she wasn't acting. She was just herself. And I think that just really, really resonated with me. So, yeah, she was the first person I hit up. And then it kind of went from there. And did she add to it? Like, yeah, sort of she, she was the one because then I, she would totally was massively involved because um, I sort of then gave her the character descriptions of Loz and Jen, the two, uh, no, sorry, Jen and Rach, the two uh, core friend characters. And she was like, oh, yeah, great. I've got this friend Kenny and then I've got this friend Julia that I think would suit that person. And then I met up with them and then I cast them. And oh, then, okay. um, you know, Marsh, I hit up through other friends and who plays Dave and uh, my brothers in the film and to uh, Zoe and Terry I had done plays with when I was younger and acting mm. so I hit them up by that avenue and then the crew is mostly afters who I actually didn't meet when I was at film school but the only one that I'd met was the production designer Rachel Jolly and so I hit her up and was sort of like, what cities did you work with at film school and what editors? And it was like literally cast and crewed by Facebook Messenger. Mm. That was like the process. It's amazing yeah, how you can do that kind of thing yeah. these days. I guess technology yeah. allows you. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So once you shot it as well, did you then go, oh shit, got to post-produce it now? Or did you already have that in place? I and... had the editors on board. Um, but walking into that process, every single step of the process I had not really undertaken before. Mm. It was every step of the process I was like, it was completely new terrain. And I've like sort of said this like a lot, but I think it is like totally naivety that got me through making the entire film. I just didn't know what I was stepping into. And I think that was a good thing because it was sort of, I think had I known how hard the process would be, I think it would have like put a lot of blocks up like so much earlier on in the process, but but once you started, yeah, it, you once I started, it, it. I was just like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm halfway now. There's no turning back. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's kind of like once you're doing it, you're doing it, you know. Mm. So I just kind of would, I just threw myself into the editing process with Rolando and Lara, and they were both phenomenal collaborators. You know, it was both their first features. We just communicated really well. We just spoke about what was working for us. And I think it was just such natural intuition as to working on scenes and cuts and uh, where it felt like those kind of comic beats were landing. And yeah. Mm. So again, I was asking about Sarah, like wonder, like, cause she sings some songs and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, was yeah. that her contribution? Totally. Or, yeah, yeah. So again, yeah. in terms of her input towards the script, did yeah. she kind of take it and sort of run with it? And yeah. were you okay with that? Yeah. So when I wrote that character, she was originally just a playwriter. But then when I got Sarah involved, Sarah's an amazing musical comedian. So I made the character a musical comedian because I was like, that will be super fun to mm. add that kind of 
like that little bit of extra flavor to it. Mm -hmm. um, so the opening song that Sarah is working on, the one about like leaving her tampon into suicide and stuff, <laughs> um, that was like a monologue that I'd written a good few years before we started shooting the film at A2IP. And I kind of just gave the monologue to Sarah and we just brainstormed a few ideas of like various ridiculous ways that a teenage rebel would think about like knocking herself off. Yeah. And Sarah kind of took it from there. Um, and then the end song is kind of a Sarah, it's a bit of a Sarah Gall original tweaked. So that song is kind of, is a song that she'd originally written and I know her backlog of songs pretty well because I've seen her shows so many times and I just asked her if we could use that song and just, you know, tweak it mm. and make it work for the movie. So, yeah. That's great. You had yeah. a talented collaborator yeah. Yeah, who could bring some, so yeah. much more to And the, the, the whole rehearsal process, um, Sarah, Julia Robertson, who plays Jan, and Kenny Murphy, who plays Rach, they're all just such intelligent, clever, witty young women. And so improving and playing with the script in rehearsals was like a huge part of the process. And so I was like totally doing rewrites throughout the rehearsal process. Because they're kind of the character, like yeah. they're, they're young women who are yeah, in the Yeah, exactly. Arts and, yeah. yeah. And like we're all head cases with men. <laughs> and like, yeah. So it was like super, it was great because it was just. It, I totally ran with everything that they were throwing at it as well. Yeah, no, yeah. fantastic. So now, so that's Hot Mess. And where, where's the, the title? Is that, did I miss it? Is it referred to at all or is it um, like... So anything? Hot Mess kind of was the working title, okay. pretty much the whole script. It's a good title. Yeah, yeah. and then I kind of, I, the whole time I was like, oh, I'll change it at some point. But then everyone along the way was like, no, it's great. And... Mm. I think it came from, um, like, the term hot mess. It's sort of like, you know, lots of people use it, like, for someone who's just, like, I don't know, just a hot mess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it totally just from, like, my, like, a good friend of mine from when we were in those days just used to say it all the time. And the way that she would say it just rang so much in my head. So um, Yeah, so it's stuck. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's not like I as I said, I I didn't miss anything in the dialogue or anything. It's just no. an overriding yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool title. So you obviously you've created this film and you're drawn to making films and we're here to talk about films that changed your life. So I guess yeah. I wonder, <laughs> shall we start with some films that uh yeah. may have, you know, made an impact on you yeah, throughout your yeah. life? Yeah. I reckon maybe like the best one to start with then is probably I think the ones that really changed like were sort of like maybe some of the highest influencing films in terms of like steering me in the direction I went would mm. be Julie Delpy's films. So, yep. um, you know, Richard Linklater was obviously a massive collaborator of the before Sunrise Trilogy mm -hmm. and then um, Lena Dunham and Tiny Furniture. I So before I was at Afters, I also did a Masters of Creative Writing at Sydney. Mm -hmm. And that was a really weird year for me because I think I had such a, you know, I had just like this idea of what a writer looked like in my head. And it was very like 50-year-old guy with glasses and whatever. And I was yeah. like, I'm this kind of like... Wonder Boys or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, to even though I'm a huge fan of Charlie Kaufman, the portrait mm. of a writer that I, I had in my head was him. Yeah. And so I was like, am I 
am I going to get away with doing this thing? Like this like drunk chick who's like 23. <laughs> like, I was sort of... Um, Do you mean in... Hot mess, do you mean? No, or when like, I was like in my in that master's year. Because you were a drunk chicken that was yeah, 22. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bard. Okay, yeah. reading poetry or whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't read any poetry. No, oh, good. Um, <laughs> You're just drunk. being inspired by the world. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Just drunk, yeah. And I watched Tiny Furniture and I was like, yeah. oh my God, you can like be a young woman and make movies. And I think that was like a huge turning point for me. And at that point, I didn't kind of, obviously then I, dived so much more into who Lena Dunham was and you know how she made creative nonfiction which was her first feature when she was 19 and I was like okay so she's actually like this whole genius creation but when I first watched Tiny Furniture and wasn't then so kind of uh I think I then entered a stage where I was almost like paralyzed by fear of how amazing she was and whatever but when I first just saw Tiny Furniture it was it was great because I was kind of like awesome. It felt like a that I could be. Mm. Well, you, you could, know, you I, did, totally... I didn't have to be like a Charlie Kaufman looking person. I could be. <laughs> yeah, you could be a Lena yeah. Dunham kind yeah, of person. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you could totally see the lineage, you know, like I think in in Hot Mess and and I thought, you know, initially I I just thought the way that um the lead character, you know, there's no kind of questioning what she looks like you know like not that much anyway you know yeah. like it's kind of like there she is you know like and, yeah. and I think you know girls obviously that was very populist and whatever but you can totally see girls in tiny furniture which I saw yeah. after girls you know I don't yeah, know if you absolutely. saw it before or after but um yeah so I can see you know that it's almost like well if she can do it you know I guess yeah. there's an element of that yeah that, totally yeah, yeah. That inspire you yeah and but then, did you want to make movies though? There, you know, doing your creative writing thing. Yeah. I mean, is that something you were? I mean, I started kind of acting first. Um, yeah, you mentioned ATYP. And yeah, like that. I yeah. left high school and I originally kind of I think I, like well when I was at high school I was sort of like just you know a bit of a dork really. <laughs> like, Weren't we all? Yeah. Well, no, except for the cool kids who <laughs> are no longer cool. cool. Kids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I I mean I really just played sport on the weekend and watched obscure indie films okay. on a Saturday night. I wasn't really out partying and whatever. Um, so that was kind of, I think, a really formative part of uh, my university. relationship to film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, when I first left high school, um, I went into acting first. And I think that I just kind of got to a point where I realized that acting felt like a very disempowering career choice. Mm. Um, I wasn't, I don't know, I kind of, I, I didn't really like the plays that I was in and um, I didn't like the characters that I was playing and I didn't really feel like the stories that I was particularly interested in were being told. So, and during that year when I was doing my Masters of Creative Writing was the last year that I was like, I guess, officially acting. Mm. Um, so it was a bit, bit of a turnover year of kind of realising where my, I think, truer underlying passions lied. Yeah. So you was... consciously said, I don't want to act anymore yeah. and I'm going to pursue this other yeah. thing. Okay. Um, and I think I'd wanted to write and direct for a long time, for all those years as well. And I'd been taking big steps towards the writing process. But it was definitely that year where I was kind of like, I 
yeah, I like definitively no longer want to act and mm, mm, mm. I'm just going to kind of pursue telling stories yeah, yeah. behind the camera, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then what, so you did that and then you went to afters, you did creative yeah. writing and then... Yeah. yeah, then I went to afters after that and afters was awesome. I think, I think it was really good to have that masters of creative writing year because it was a really unguided year, like it wasn't, um, I hope I haven't mentioned the uni that I went to, but it was a really shit course, like, yeah. and kind of in a way that sometimes it can be a good thing because it just meant that I was left to my own devices. So, so you do extracurricular reading kind of thing. Yeah, so I just kind of dived into my own, yeah. like, you know, I had already watched everything that Miranda July had created and, you know, I was like an obsessive fan of Julie Delpy mm. and I just kind of furthered those interests and got into kind of like Mark and Jay Duplass and Joe Swanberg and just was furthering who inspired me and... Yeah, I think that year was kind of my year of unearthing a little bit of what my voice was. I think that was the year that I sort of was like, well, the, I, and I wrote this monologue that year, or I wrote a short film that year that won this like A2IP writing new voices competition. It was called Hot Kebab Guy. Mm. And it was like about being drunk and 21 and meeting guys at the kebab shop and whatever. And I think that was a big part of... Um, yeah, like tapping into kind of like, well, these are the stories that are inspiring me and then these are the stories that I want to tell. And then I got it, then I went to afters and that was great because that was just a very structured course and it was really kind of all about the process of screenwriting. And yeah, I'd sort hmm. of, I'd a little bit figured out the flavor of who I, my voice, voice and yeah. the direction I wanted to take. And then that year I just got to kind of really hone my craft a little more essentially. Cool, cool, cool. And then you finished and you went you went and made Hot Mess. Yeah. Hey, cool. Yeah. So I, I'm intrigued because you did send me the list of films that inspired yeah. you. <laughs> and uh, there are a few. There was like the first ones at the top of the list were Now and Then. And yeah. That, so yeah. I'm going to make you fess up. And also the Spice Girls movie. So yeah. I just wonder, is that because you saw them at a particular age? Yeah, that, absolutely. That like I saw you? Now and Then was this movie that, that was like, the good old VCR days. Mm. Um, is this when you were watching the indie films? It's not an indie <laughs> this film. Is, this is certainly not my indie days. <laughs> the indie days came way later. Oh, later. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Um, first of all, like, all of these films, the Never Been Kissed and 10 Things I Heard About You, and then it was, like, maybe dipping my foot in that train. But yeah. now and then was at the... Where me and my brothers and my family would go up to this, like, coastal town called Scott's Head. Uh -huh. Um like every Christmas and it was just like surfing for two weeks basically mm. and they had this like little news agency that had videos and mm. it was like one of the videos that every single summer for I don't even know how many years <laughs> I yes. would be renting really? out and watching cool. over and over and over and over again and it's just such a good movie and I, I watched because like this morning I was like I haven't watched that movie in a long time and I just pulled up a few clips on YouTube and it just like it totally brought tears to my eyes because it's, it's kind of four girls and they're just about to hit puberty. Yeah, it's and kind then of like it's, Stand By Me or something. Yeah, it's the completely the girls' yeah, Stand yeah, By yeah, Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and mm. it's like they're all kind of different. They're all hitting it at different angles. Like one's kind of stuffing balloons in her bras mm. and the other one, like Christina Ricci, is like strapping up her tits. And, you know, they all kind of are like 
in, like they're all about to hit it in this different way and they're uncomfortable in their bodies and it's so kind like it and then it's just the way that they bring in the characters then in like 20 years time when they come back to the town and they all like reunite yeah, in the treehouse. Like, Demi Moore. Yeah, Demi Moore. And and Melanie Griffith. Melanie and Griffith and Rosie O'Donnell. That's right. Um, and Rita Wilson. That's right. And you know what I read today? Yeah, what? The, the girl that played the young Rita Wilson's dead. I can't believe it. I forget Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Wait, which one? She's like, she Ashley Ashley yeah, Moore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my she God. She kind of died of a heroin overdose. Oh, that's so and sad. That's, I know, right? So she, I think she kind of, you know, became a grown-up <sighs> and kind of fell off the... Yeah, wow. Know. Yeah, it's so sad. That's so sad. Yeah, anyway. It's, I think yeah. what, what also was kind of like really great about that movie is that the Demi Moore character comes back and she's the one that narrates the film. And she has gone on to be like, she's the Gabby Hoffman, mm. Rowan character. And she goes on to be like a science fiction writer. And she's like kind of a, you know, like a, a, like a dark, darkly clad New York kind of chick with this husky smokers writer's voice. And I don't, there was just like layers in that mm. film that I think were so raw and true and it is like it is kind of it totally has like a sappy element to it but it it also is like so authentic and it, it's really Although I gotta say, Gabby Hoffman turned out very different to oh Demi my god yeah. <laughs> I love Gabby Hoffman yeah, no, she's, she's such a legend yeah, yeah yeah she's so like who cares you know yeah. like whereas Demi Moore cares <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. anyway yeah. <laughs> um but no, no, I could sort of say it's just funny because yeah, before we got on the mic, I was telling you how I thought it was like I saw it. I think it was like just as I was becoming a proper film critic or whatever, and it was kind of like you know that's well, you're you know, so not the, the target right. market. <laughs> no, no, I, know. I, was like, I don't think now that's and then it. was made I for like Spice Girls movie. So there you go. Good, you know? good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I yeah. guess the thing is though, yeah, now and then is quite earnest. You know, I think you know it's got its heart on its sleeve. It's got its heart on its yeah. sleeve, but it's so fun too. Like there's these sequences in it. That are so kind of you know they're riding down the street on their bike with yeah, their yeah, music yeah. playing. It's like so great. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah, like so Spice Girls movie was that just because you're obsessed with Spice Girls? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like I, I was obsessed with Spice Girls, and then I forced my mum to go and take me to see that movie eight times at the cinema. Sporty Spice. No, Scary Spice. <laughs> Everyone sorry. thought Sporty Spice because yeah, I played so much yeah. sport, but no, Scary Spice all <laughs> okay. the way. Yeah. And you made your mum take you, did you say, to the movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. and took every friend, like, under the side. <laughs> like, it was just, it was, it's just such a spectacular movie. And I've watched that movie as an adult, and it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah it's very funny. That's the thing. But as a kid, you probably didn't get many of the jokes, or you did? Or oh, no, of course I did. But I, did? Okay, I, yeah, I think yeah. I just got a, like, it, like it was, I think I was, like, definitely within the target yeah. audience at that Point. And I think that okay. I think the amazing thing about that movie and their music is that it has this like crazy wide target audience. Mm. Like it was kids and it was like and then looking at it as an like obviously as a kid I had no clue who Bob Spears was or that he directed it. But as an adult then looking him up and I was like, Wow, he like directed Ab Fab and Faulty Towers and French and Saunders and mm. you can see like that film is just like this complete fast like it's so hysterical and the chicks in it like the spice girls the chicks the spice girls are so awesome they're so funny and they're so 
like these grounded, gritty English chicks. They're not kind of, they're not sort of, like the film, there's zero. No, they're not up themselves or whatever. Yeah, is, yeah. and there's like zero boyfriends in the film. Mm. There's zero fucks given about men in the film. Yep. Like it's just about them and their friendship and this like crazy storyline where they then kind of like have to get to, I can't even like fully remember what the storyline was, but it has this like really weird like, there's this that weird Charlie's Angel guy that calls in, <laughs> like yeah. Richard E. Grant's their manager, and they're on the bus or whatever. Um, and that like it's just like what, and I was watching some of that stuff on YouTube today too. And that it's just so insanely well executed. Like the montage sequences are layered perfectly with the right tracks, and it. Oh my god! Like I just watched it, and it's just such a brilliant comedy. Like I can't. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It, I would I die thought, one day if I got a chance to like make a movie that. That kind good. of thing, really, because it's yeah. very different to hot mess. It's totally different to hot mess, but like it's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, because I guess it's skewing a pop cultural phenomenon in a smart way or something. It's kind of like I think Beatles did with a hard day's night, and I think you know. Yeah, I think it was just so not up itself. Yeah, it yeah. was so delivered just they it was just completely grounded and and it's they, like winking at you it's yeah, kind of, yeah yeah because i'm pretty sure it breaks the fourth wall well no, i can't remember but i'm sure it would have done that sort of knowing yeah lots of knowing winks at the audience you know? yeah yeah cool you should you, you'll have to make the sequel yeah i know right, right? <laughs> <laughs> More from Lucy in a second, but for now I thought I'd uh, do a few sponsored plugs. One is um, that October 10 slash 11 is proving to be a very busy time for, um, for film festivals. We've got the Adelaide Film Festival, which, is, uh, which offers you know, a really interesting selection of films, including various uh, Australian premieres. And we also have the Brisbane International Film Festival, which has just been taken over by Quagoma and looks to be an amazing program. They've got, they've, they're, they're the only ones that have dared to put on the new Lars von Trier. Um, <laughs> the one with Matt Dillon playing a serial killer. So uh, if it was ever worth a trip to uh, Bris Vegas, this is the time. And you know, with the Adelaide Film Festival, it's always worth a visit. It's, um, it's pretty nice. Actually, speaking of other film festivals, there's also the Heart of Gold Film Festival, which primarily shows short films, and it's in Gympie in Queensland. And speaking of Queensland, there's also the, uh, the Noosa International Film Festival, which uh, this year's screening things like uh, Book Week and uh, Terra Nullius with um, the Soda Jerk uh, one minute film, uh, one hour film. Um, all worth heading out to, whether you're a local or whether you've got some time on your hands. I mean, I, I remember getting an email once from someone from Melbourne who loves, absolutely loves the Gold Coast Film Festival. I was a bit baffled by that. and. The reason he makes the trek every year is because, you know, Melbourne is just so jam-packed uh, of content and of people, whereas quite a lot of these film festivals tend to sort of really only show the best kind of films and also are not so busy so that you, you know, you're jam-packed like a tuna, you know, in, an, in a sardine can. Um, so, yeah, worth, worth checking those out if you can. 
Um, now a little bit more from Lucy Coleman and more about her film Hot Mess. Yeah, so did you did you go to the movies as a kid or anything like that? Do you yeah, that kind of um, stuff? I t definitely went to the movies as a kid, and I was just like a huge rom com fan, really, growing yeah. up, and in like comedies and yeah, um, the commercial cinema. Yeah. That you go to, yeah, and then I think as I sort of hit those teen years and hit that kind of like uncomfortable age of like Puberty where you start to kind of yeah, your mood starts swinging all over the place and whatever, and. I didn't get all in the, uh, like a lot of my teenage years I want, wasn't really getting along with my peer group and that kind of thing and so Sundays I went to uh, then there was a cinema in Manly mm. Manly Cinemas and it was awesome because it wasn't like a Hoyts that was at Ring Mall it was it showed just indie films mm. and it was kind of like a Dendi essentially but way smaller scale like there were two cinemas and I think they would show four movies at a time yeah. um, and Basically, every Sunday I would go and see a movie with mom down there. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like a... And I think I think it, movies were a really big escape for me during tough times. Like I think, which is, a, I think a lot of things for like filmmakers and musicians and stuff, it's, it kind of is their, um, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's like they live outside of... Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They live through someone else or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, fantastic. So I'm wondering too, like, because you've obviously you've gone and made a feature. You also done a web series um, yeah. as well, yeah? yeah, with Sarah as well, yeah, with like, Sarah too. So yeah. we made. And, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, that's all right. No, we <laughs> made on the fringe because um, Sarah was just about to leave to New York, and she did a year in New York doing stand-up comedy, and it was sort of maybe like six weeks before she left, and I was like, dude, I've got to make something with you again before you go. Um, and I'd written what I thought would be a short film. Mm. Um, but then it really quickly, I think the first step was the, what I'd written and originally was like this, I'll just write this as a short film. And then it really just quickly spiraled the two characters and other ideas that I had for them and little mini episodes and stuff. And Jacinta was another comedian that I'd seen on the fringe scene again and just loved her. Like she, I really loved how vulnerable her comedy was and I just remember the one song and this is like totally what made me want to cast her but the first time that I saw her she did this song where she at the time was 21 and she was on I don't, I don't know what I think I saw her at um, Manning Bar and she was on stage she was doing a song and it was about how she was 21 and she hadn't had a boyfriend and I was just like it was so awesome it was such a like funny little song and um, and I'd totally been in those shoes too. And I loved that she was singing a song about it because when I was 21, I was so embarrassed that I was 21 and I hadn't had a boyfriend. I loved that she was on stage yeah. singing a song about it. I was like, oh my God, I would never have done that. So I loved that level of vulnerability. So I was like so keen to kind of get Sarah and Jacinta and they're really good mates. Um, okay, to start with anyway. To start with, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, so I guess, cause my question is as well, like, cause yeah, as you say, you, you, didn't know what you were doing. You went out and made a feature. A lot of people yeah. would go, oh, yeah, let's just make short films and web series and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So must have been, was it easier to do the web series having done the... Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Making the web series just like a walk in the park. Like, obviously, it was still chat. Like, we had our challenges. But I think making the web series, I just knew every problem gets solved. You know what I mean? Like, anytime there was, like, 
something got a little bit thrown up in the air. I was like, whatever. I was like, yeah. <laughs> we'll find a really out. easy way to fix this. Yeah, because yeah. having made the film and encountered losing locations at the last second and every other kind of thing that happens along the way that's totally unexpected and really getting my knickers in a knot at the time for hot mess, I just learned, like my big learning curve was that it just always works itself out. So mm. we hit on the fringe and it was just like, and we shot in the one location for the whole thing. And, you know, I'd worked with a lot of the cast before and a lot of the crew before. And it was just like, yeah, it was just really lovely kind of making that project. Yeah, it was easy. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that, so to you, because it sounds to me like you're, you know, you're really gung ho about, yeah, trying to tell female driven yeah. stories. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. is that like, so that's a conscious and, it you is. know, like before you start on something. That's... I think just naturally my stories are just, yeah, yeah, okay. the ideas that come to me are all just female led stories. Yeah. It's like last year you did. You yeah. Know, <laughs> you met a guy and then yeah, 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 there's exactly. a story. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I met up with, um, Hugh, who was one of the producers on, on The Fringe yesterday, and he was like, your films are just getting a chronicle of like your life in your 20s, basically. They're yeah. like my memoirs, sort of. Um, I hope in like a very, and I hope in a non-indulgent way, but whatever, they probably are. But I, yeah, like I think the ideas come to me and it's always, it's always kind of, I guess the ideas that come to me are problems that I faced in my adolescence, my 20s, whatever. Mm that I had to work my way through and I essentially then want to tell those stories and give that, like, I guess, hope that then I can kind of like share those stories and experiences and to be of... Well, um, it will connect with other people because yeah, they're truthful connect with other or whatever. People. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you saw the actress that, you know, talking about she hadn't had a boyfriend in 21. Exactly, As you said, like, exactly. These are things that yeah. might seem awkward or whatever, but... yeah. There's other people out there. Yeah, like, which is why, like, Never Been Kissed was such a huge movie for me in my days. Because <laughs> it was really about this character, Josie. Like Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, yeah. And who hadn't been kissed until she was 25. And so when I was, like, a 16-year-old chick and I hadn't kissed anybody, I was like, it's okay because Josie hasn't kissed anyone and she's 25. Even though, like, Drew Barrymore was, like, a massive badass and was, like, drunk when she was eight years old but in real life for yeah, me yeah. it was like you know I was like I was so whole like I really held on to that <laughs> this character I was like it's okay you know but um it's kind of dangerous thinking like that <laughs> I know it is <laughs> I thank god it was because yeah, yeah, I was 25 <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank god but um it was and I think not enough of those stories exist for women like and I, I like, I'm a massive fan of this author, Catelyn Moran, mm. and her, like, her first book, How to Build a Girl, is just about to get made into a huge uh, English American co-production feature, and mm. Beanie Fiedelstein is going to star in it. And I'm sort of like, I'm, I was sort of was super gutted a little bit when I saw that it was getting made and it had like a director attached and all this kind of stuff. Cause I was like, fuck in two years time, I totally could have been in there to like <laughs> picture that. <laughs> Cause I, I just sort of, there was like a little Cause when you that, read the book, you were kind yeah, of like when I read the projecting. Book, I was like, this yeah, is yeah. like my book. Um, yeah. This is like what I was going to like walk in the door with and be like, I want to adapt this book because it's all about the, cause that book is like all about that period of like first leaving high school and, mm -hmm 
the character's like just going mad about town, having sex with anything she can and, you know, figuring it, figuring it out and making a complete fool of herself and all this kind of stuff. And I just, I think that, yeah, those like those stories of embarrassing yourself and humiliating yourself and those stories where you felt the most pathetic, I think are what interests me the most Mm. because I think that's like your biggest access point to kind of like genuinely connecting with other people. Yep, 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 because everyone's gone through that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny because you could have shown um, Hot Mess as a proof of concept for that. um, (laughs) I know, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, but were you? how did you find like, you know, in terms of the, the, you know, you, you obviously mentioned Tiny Furniture and things like that. Was there a particular... I don't know, how did you, did you just want to shoot naturalistically or, you know, yeah, like I and whatnot think, with Hot Mess? Like, or were you influenced by certain things at all? Like I think when I wrote, when I wrote Hot Mess, the film that I kept bouncing back to in terms of when I was writing it and I would hit, come up against a brick wall, oddly enough, the film that I kept bouncing back to was Sideways, mm. the Alexander Payne film, yep. just because I think it's such a brilliant comedy and like every time I watch it, oh my God, it just like kills me every time. And the script is so brilliant and every scene is so nuanced and it, it's just so my kind of comedy. Like it's just, um, you're just so, it's so small, but it's so. Yeah, it's not like belly laughs or, you know, yeah. or whatever. It's kind of. Yeah, yeah it's and it's throughout. just the yeah. way the two characters ping off each other. And mm. um, so that was one that I really kept bouncing back to. And I think the, the, level of performance I wanted to hit was just totally an intuition thing and massively influenced off um, what I was so into, like Julia Delpy stuff and mm. Sideways and Lena Dunham's work and yeah. all of that hyper-realism kind of stuff. And I I just kind of, yeah, I think that um, level of performance is just like genuine, like I think it's just what genuinely comes out of me and working with actors, it's just really where I want to land and yeah. Mm. Are you doing anything else at the moment, trying to get stuff up? <clears throat> yeah, done, so I've written? got kind of a few new projects. Um, so I'm back in the States in October and... So back in the States you mean because you went there with this film, yeah? Yeah, yeah so, yeah, so, yeah. so tell me this... about that. What, what, what it was so awesome. Um, so Seattle, was it? Or? Yeah, 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 for Seattle International Film Festival because um, we premiered here mm-hmm. at for Filmsake Festival, and um, and I, like it, it, you know, it also had cast and crew screening and an industry screening. So I'd sort of watched the film a couple of times with audiences here, but um, you know, I was like, they're Aussie audiences; they're gonna understand. I I just sort of I don't know. I felt more comfortable showing the film to an Aussie audience because I was just like, they're going to understand their own voice. Um, And when I took it to Seattle, I was like, uh, I was, I don't know. I was like a bit nervous. I kind of didn't know how it would be received and it was received so well. Um, And we had a couple of screenings in Seattle and me and Sarah went to all of them. Oh, except for one, which we were then out of town for, but um, it just went down so well. And the Q and A's were kind of just, so fun and people were just asking the most hilarious questions and and then I went to LA after that and that was just sort of like you know big round of meetings and I signed with a manager over there and so now I'm kind of developing new work and taking that back over and okay so you hope to get something up over there I mean I mean it's sort of it's just I'm just kind of 
want to get work up. So. Your own work, do you think? Or, yeah. Because yeah, I imagine in the States they're a bit like, I would imagine they'd be maybe putting you forward for other projects yeah. or something, you yeah. know, which you're fine with. Which I'm totally fine with. Um, and yeah, so obviously what I'm writing at the moment, I plan to direct. So there's a couple of projects that I like am pitching to write and direct. And again, they're kind of like very female driven mm. stories and hopefully like the next evolution of my work and whatnot. What did they think yeah. in the States? Did they kind of like latch on to just what, like the same thing that, you know, it's a young woman. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that just like continually came out of it was how much like people related to it. Did they laugh more than they did here? Did you find I think them? it was the same. same? Like, <laughs> okay, they got the jokes? Okay, yeah, yeah, I don't think the one joke that I don't, like they obviously don't really know who Tony Abbott is. So in that yeah. scene where she talks about Tony Abbott and asks the theatre director if he's liberal, and I think they got that, okay. like, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but literally every other thing they completely understood. Um, but yeah, yeah, they they completely got it. And I think that I think what was just constantly coming out of it was how much people related to it, and then how much people wanted to tell me and Sarah their own stories of their experience like that, like where they then wanted to tell us their experience of how they'd crossed a line in trying to get someone's attention and the, like a, a really embarrassing moment where they'd compromised themselves for a guy or mm, mm. someone of the opposite sex or whatever. Um, and that was awesome because that was exactly why I made the movie. Mm. So it was really, I was just so excited when people after the screenings wanted to like come up and like, you know, whisper really quietly and like almost like they were confessing a sin um to tell us their like you know little guilty secret of something that they'd done and mm. yeah that was did cool. you find it hard like one of the things I, I i wanted to ask before but i'd forgotten but the way to represent the the, the life of a writer you know and kind of yeah, a person yeah, that writes yeah. is that always kind of like how do you do that yeah no a, it a, is weird in an interesting it? way yeah, yeah completely which i think was then like just such a bonus having sarah on mm. and turning it into a musical comedian because yeah. it immediately externalized it and so instead of having a, like a frustrated writer at her laptop you had a, a girl at her piano like vocally singing lyrics and um so I think that hugely aided in the process mm. and then um I don't know like I think even though it's kind of about a writer it's real like I think that year hits most people in their 20s who are pursuing anything that they're passionate about, who are trying to be entrepreneurs in any field or are even just trying to excel at being lawyers or doctors or whatever. And they hit this point where they have this huge realization of having not realized how hard it was going to be and then really questioning and self-doubting, do I have it in me? And yeah. so I think even though it's about a writer, I think it's like still completely accessible to hmm. other people. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because yeah. she's, yeah, yeah, she's a, a woman of a certain age and she's got yeah. aspirations. Any other films that uh, may have changed your life <laughs> that, that um, we've missed? Because I'm looking at my initial... Um, I think probably, a, I reckon a big one on there would be This Is England. Okay, and why is that? And like I think it, it steps away from kind of the, you know, the sort of like, like that sort of little comedy space mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's pretty heavy and oh, it's yeah. kind of a really, yeah, it's like a really heavy hitting drama, but 
I think I watched that film and it just like smacked me in the face in such a big way. I just thought the performances are just un- like are just completely remarkable. Like, um, yeah, they're like real. Yeah. Oh, they're so real. Mm. And I just like, I think it's a huge, like I'm, I really, really love British film and TV. I think they, uh, I think they're so great at just casting the right person for the role as opposing casting someone who's hot. Like mm-hmm. I think there's other film industries in the world that are still in this like backward space of needing beautiful faces on screen. I like couldn't give a crap about that kind of thing. Like, yeah, and, real. Yeah, yeah. And I think England does such a better job of that. And this is England. The ca- like the characters in that are so deep and the performances are so insane. Um, Joseph Gilgan is like one of my favorite actors and I completely have him in mind for this film that I'm working on at the moment. It'd be such a, it'd be such a dream to cast him. But Thomas Turgos, who is like the 12 year old boy and yeah, yeah, like Stephen Graham who plays Combo and Vicky McClure is like so amazing. And the the follow up mini series to that. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Is it good? They're insane. They're so good. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, um, I got super into Shane Meadows process and how he worked and that was a really big influence on me as a director because he just he sort of has like a he had a really extensive rehearsal process Mm. with the actors on that and obviously he just cast he just like essentially street cast um thomas togos like the kid who Mm. plays sean and you i was like there's a lot of there's these really amazing rehearsal videos on youtube of their rehearsal process and they're so Oh, they're so good. Like, it's amazing to kind of see, you know, what he was doing behind the scenes to kind of like, and what like the t- it was really so much about the team building as well. Like, it was really about the relationship building mm. and kind of building those relationships between the actors because I reckon rocking up on set, having a twelve-year-old boy and all these adult actors, it'd be super weird to just kind of step into that and expect them to look like their best friends mm. um and i think what he did in the rehearsal process was just brilliant and um i think i really love that kind of energetic rehearsal process where the actors are so involved and you're really handing over the process to them and you're not like holding on to the script for dear life but you're wanting them to kind of take ownership of it themselves yeah it sounds like it harks back to your frustration in being an actor yeah, yeah <laughs> probably <laughs> My frustration of being an actor as well was that I was mostly being directed by middle-aged men and I just didn't like that. Like, I was a young woman and I really resented the way that... Even if it was Shan Meadows, you know? Yeah, that would have been absolutely fine. I would have been completely fine with that. (laughs) He he writes the best female characters I've ever seen on screen from a male writer, like, hands down. So I would have been completely... That would have been fine. But um, I think I worked with, like, just too many kind of, like, middle-aged male directors. And I think I just really began to resent that they were the way that they worked with young women. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, oh, yeah, when I, like, left acting, I was really filled with, like, a lot of hate for them. Yeah, a lot of fuck you. And <laughs> yeah, I'll like, show you. them. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of almost like, isn't it? Like, I, I know I felt like that when I was at university and, you know, I thought I knew a lot about film and these lecturers, you know, they teach because they can't do and I, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you had that youthful kind of anger. Around, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. Go out there and do it. 
Yeah. No, that's cool. Any others? Any others that you can ring? I know you've put down your laptop. I've got so many on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But any, but, but I guess, I guess, because are you yeah. like I'm wondering because you're you're you know a lot younger than me. How are you consuming films nowadays? Yeah, just out sure. Of interest, you know, um, like, I still I still go to the cinema all the time. Okay. Like that's still just I love that experience and pretty much every and I've got friends that are super into going to the movies too. Okay. They're not necessarily like. I don't really have that. I reckon most of my friends are kind of just everyday people. They're not so much filmmakers or yeah, creators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've got a good couple of friends that are massive kind of just movie buffs. Okay. You know? And so we hit the, the movies regularly. I still go to the movies all the time with my mom. So I try and if there's a movie coming up that I really want to see, I absolutely try and hmm. see it at the cinema. But if I miss it, um, yeah, just the streaming platforms. I think it's kind of... A bit odd. Um, I feel like some of the best films aren't on any of the normal streaming, like on any of the majorly accessible streaming platforms. Yeah. Um, it seems like Amazon you can... I'm going to probably Decide. get Amazon Prime because I feel like uh, that seems to be... But I know what you mean. It's, yeah. It seems like mediocrity is kind of like because they're trying to be something for everyone. And yeah. so, yeah, like something like... This is England would not get a prominent yeah, yeah, place, yeah. you know. Like, and I look at some of the things that Netflix like originals are, and they're very, yeah, they yeah. seem pretty kind of middle of the road sort of stuff. And yeah, that, there's nothing worse than that. I was know? trying to even just, I was trying to just watch Birdman recently, mm. um, and I was like, for sure, this will be on something. Yeah. It wasn't on anything. It wasn't on Netflix. It wasn't on SBS. It wasn't on Stan. Um, so I kind of, you know worked out my way to watch yeah, yeah. Um, but I suppose yeah there are options you can get them on iTunes Google yeah, Play, whatever yeah, yeah, you yeah. know but it's kind of like yeah it is weird sometimes when you get this oh I should watch this but it's not usually yeah yeah, yeah you can't find it you know on, on the, the things you're paying subscriptions to yeah yeah but yeah but I do think like I don't know so what do you hope for the future of um, you know um, of your film you know, because yeah. obviously, you, yeah, 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 yeah. So you you screened it like in in for film's sake, which is the women yeah. in film and TV kind of um, film festival. And do you hope to sort of I don't know, like get it out there? Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of in the process of um, seeking distribution at the moment, and I mean, it's a film that I'm super excited to get out into the world because I think it's. Um, it's been a film that's just been so well received by audiences. Mm. I think it's an audience film. I don't think it's so much like a critic darling. I think mm. it's, um, I think it really has the way it's been received so far is that it has completely accessed its target demographic. And it's also kind of, um, you know, like my dad's friends have been super into it. So really? okay. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's sort of, um, it's met these different audiences that it's been really cool to kind of see that it's been more broadly received too so and I think too like it it has um you know a bit of a new Australian voice to it and some like I mean, lots yours, of fresh, yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. lots of fresh faces on screen and um I yeah guess who can I'm, carry it too like that's the other thing yeah you know because like, you, know, you did a good job casting I think you know to sort of find the people yeah and I think too like um I think a lot of people involved in that project are kind of on their way up like Sarah's I think Sarah's going to be like 
a really big Australian name. Like, I mean, not, I, I probably sound like, probably sound super biased saying that, but she's genuinely just phenomenally talented. She's such an amazing actor and she's such an amazing musical comedian and just one of the most exceptional people that I know. Um, and I think in 10 years time, she'll be like a Tony Collette, you know, like she'll be one of those yeah. people that Australia that, hold though. really dear. Because I thought she'd be a great, like watching it now, and I bet you she'll probably get typecast in this if she gets more roles, you know, would be like as the funny best friend, you know, like because it's hard. She better not be the funny best friend. She better be the leading lady. uh, I'll be casting as the leading lady. Well, yeah, you, but I'm wondering, you know, like if she goes out into the treadmill, you know, like in America or wherever, you know, like I think they'll find it hard to... I think that's so boring, to be honest. I agree, but I'm just saying that that, as you said before, you know, it's about what they look like you know so often yeah me and Sarah are working on um some like some projects together and like you know a lot of the time when I'm writing I have her in mind so and like oh my god it's so I'm so over what women are supposed to look like on screen and I just kind of want to change that I just want to be a part of change for that I'm so much more interested in funny chicks and you know like just People that have saying, you know, like I'm not. No, and I'm, I'm totally yeah. do because I think I feel like that's something new and fresh, you know, like and there's so much boring retreaded stuff, and so when you see, yeah, like from a female lens, you know, female characters, you know, like because usually it's been through the male gaze, you know, like yeah, it's, it's, totally, it's totally, new. yeah, yeah. and because like um, just it's still like, you know, like there's so many kind of like, you know, like um. What, was, what did I watch recently? And like every chick was just a skinny grade A stunner. And then every most, like every guy in the film was just completely, completely average looking. Yeah. I was like, I'm so over that. It's so boring. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Well, I don't, I don't have anything against good looking women. Like, yeah. Got but, on them. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And I, I guess, um, I don't know if I've got anything else. I mean, is there any particular film um, you may have missed on or, you know, like. Oh, yeah. I don't know. We probably touched on. Can like, I ask that what, before I forget? Like, um, did you, because, you know, for film's sake, did you submit to local film festivals apart from for film's sake? Yeah, we did. And did you get knocked back? We did. That's a bit shitty, isn't it? It was totally shitty. How did shitty. you feel about that? Shitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a massive disappointment, to be honest. Um, I yeah. mean, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot for my next. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're kind of thinking it's a Sydney out. film. But I was, I was yeah, disappointed yeah. because mm. I, I definitely was hoping for the Australian. Yeah film festival industry to kind of back it more and yeah um, and I can see why yeah because the film does have this particular style and it's fresh and it's smart and yeah yeah but I suppose yeah like there's probably systems in place or something that sort of worked against it you know it's complicated yeah (laughs) anyway look thanks so much for coming in and talking to me and uh, congrats on the film and um, look forward to where it goes next and where you go next yeah cheers oh thanks cheers So that's it for my chat with the lovely Lucy Coleman. She was um, she was a delight, really, and I and I reckon once you get a chance to check out a Hot Mess, 
hopefully in a cinema, but more likely, I imagine, on VOD in some way um, or, tel- or TV. Uh, you really, it, it really is worth it. Uh, it reminded me, as I probably said in the in the podcast, of you know Lena Dunham's work. Um, in that, you know, for so long we've had male voices dominating um, screen, you know, our screen content. It's so eye-opening when you see females do it, and be, not just because I don't know, you know, it's about women. It's more about just the approach that they take and the, the sort of the lens that they bring to, you know, to to the content. Um, I always use the example of like, you know, if you see a woman do a sex scene, <laughs> it's so different to a male doing a sex scene. Um, yeah, that sounds a bit odd, I know, but um, but I'm sure you get what I mean. Now, as usual, I'm going to mention um, a film that changed my life and in theme to Hot Mess. Um, I'm going to, it, because it's funny, I, I just mentioned this as well. It, it's weird that we always follow trends in Australia, like things that seem to happen in America you know, 10 years ago, or even longer, finally arrive in Australia. And it's no fault of the filmmakers, I imagine. It's more about, I guess, they see this content and it inspires them and then they go on their own journey and and, um, and end up making stuff that's obviously influenced by that. And I think Lucy Coleman's Hot Mess is, is no exception, you know, in the fact that, you know, she was obviously very influenced upon seeing Tiny Furniture, but then she had her own journey that she had to go on before she could actually make her own first film. Now, my film that changed my life um, was Andrew Brzezowski's Mutual Appreciation, which, um, which is a mumblecore film and uh, obviously influenced someone like Lena Dunham to make Tiny Furniture as well. Now, you know, you see these films and, you know, they're literally like at the burgeoning end of, you know, digital filmmaking in the sense that, you know, the production qualities are pretty low, um, but then again, so is the thematic matter. You know, this is just a, a reflection of everyday life for young people, and it doesn't have to have immense uh, production qualities. What it has to have is someone with a cinematic um, language, a grasp of cinematic language, and a vision, um, you know, unique, you know, and a cohesive uh, cinematic language that they use in telling the tale and Andrew Bozhalski's got that in spades so he may not have a budget you know he probably still has to have a day job to support his passion for filmmaking um, but he sure knows how to tell a tale cinematically and um, mutual appreciation even though it's quite you know there's a lot of talking it's you know it's not very high concept but it's uh, you can't take your eyes off the screen and you get so engaged in the characters because there's a truth it. I really liked um, his more recent film called Results and again you know he's got a bigger budget a bigger cast but he's just able to um, he brings you know a really interesting take on storytelling to the table which um, which makes it exciting to watch so um, that's me for today I hope you enjoyed my chat with Lucy sorry about all this noise in the background because I'm doing this in my lounge room with my kid playing Xbox and uh, the the um the washing machine going through the the spin cycle god damn it anyway um thanks for listening till next time 
I'm Dov Cornett and you've been listening to The Films That Changed My Life. <laughs>